0: Father, in Jesus' mighty name, we thank you for another opportunity to be gathered here, Lord. We pray in Jesus' mighty name, Lord, that you speak to us in a special way. I pray, Lord, that your word will minister to the hearts of every person who is listening to me this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So, we started a series on eternal reward, and I uh, mentioned last week that this is going to be the last installment. On the series Um, usually I mean I believe that at certain stages in your life you just need to pause and ask yourself what is the most important thing in life what is the most important thing for my existence as I'm alive today what is the most important thing for me what will I count as the most important thing for this life that we are living because one day Everything that we are looking for, every physical thing that we are looking for on earth, we are going to leave it behind. And so what is the most important thing for your life? As you live every day of your life, sometimes you just have to pause and ask yourself, what is the most important thing for you? And so I believe that some of these messages takes our mind back to the most important the things that we should give priority to in our lives and not fret over so many things and not worry over so many things but they are setting things that are more important that should be giving priority in our lives. <clears throat> and so today will be the final message on, I mean, the final installment on, on this particular series. But as time goes on, I will continue to remind us to set our minds on things that are the most important things. I believe that this is a message that is getting missing in the body of Christ. But as the days approach, I'm sure God is going to raise people to continue to remind us about his second coming and how we can all prepare to meet him. And so this morning, I'm just going to conclude on, on this series and then we'll take it up again some other time. Our uncle scripture has been 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. The Bible says, For we must all appear and be revealed as we are before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive his pay according to what he has done in the body whether good or evil, considering what his purpose and motive has been and what he has achieved, being busy with and giving himself and his attention to accomplishing. So, when the Amplified expands this, he says that we are going to be considered based on, first of all, our purpose. And so God is going to, first of all, measure what you have done according to the purpose he has assigned you first. And then the second thing that the scripture mentions is your motive. So when you have discovered your purpose, what is motivating you to accomplish that purpose? Is it so that people will applaud you, people will clap for you? Is it so that people will see that you are doing well? Is it so that you you receive the acknowledgement and praise of men? So first of all, the the scripture says that you are going to be rewarded based on your purpose, based on your motive, and then based on what you have been able to achieve by being busy in this life. So your purpose, your motive, and your achievement. Based on what the scripture, this amplified version is telling us, the purpose God assigned you, your motive for working on that purpose, and your achievement the purpose that god has assigned you bible says what you have given yourself to and you have given your attention to so we must all appear every one of us from the pope to the new convert we must all appear before the judgment seat of christ and this judgment is only for believers bible says so that we may receive our pay according to what we have done in our body and last week we used this text to explain a few things. And today we are going to use this text again to um, um, for our discussion. The Bible says, now as they heard these things, he spoke another parable because he was near Jerusalem and because they thought the kingdom of God will appear immediately. So Jesus Christ was going into Jerusalem and the people around him, both the Pharisees and the disciples, thought that the kingdom of God was going to appear immediately. The Pharisees were expecting that the one who was going to be the Messiah, the one who was bringing the kingdom of God was going to be a prince who was going to deliver them from the, Roman, um, um, from, from the, 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 the empire of the Romans. Because at this point in the life of the Israelites, the Romans were, the, the Roman empire was ruling over the world and hence Israel was serving the Romans. And so just like it happened in Egypt, they were expecting another person to come like Moses who would deliver them from from the Romans. So that was the expectation. However, Jesus came to establish his kingdom and not just to take them away from the Romans like it happened in Egypt. So the Bible says, Jesus told them this parable. When he entered into Jerusalem, because the, the the Bible said the disciples were expecting him to establish his kingdom right then and then. And they were expecting that once Jesus Christ becomes the king, this the 12 people were also going to have some ministerial positions. Or they were going to have some leadership positions and people were going to honor them. However, this was the parable that Jesus Christ told them. He says, therefore, a certain noble man went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. He was telling this to them about himself, that he was going into a certain place to receive a kingdom and that he was going to return to his people. But however, so he's saying that he's going to receive a kingdom. So after the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, he received that kingdom. Now, what we are waiting for is the return of the noble man, which is Jesus Christ. So he said that. So he called ten of his servants, delivered to them ten minutes, and said to them, Do business until I come. So this is different from the other parable in the book of Matthew, where he called three of his disciples, or his his servant, and gave one five, and gave one three, and gave another one one. This parable says that he called ten of his servants and delivered to them ten minutes. So he gave each one a single um a single pound or a single uh, minas as this this um, translation calls it and then he told them to do business till he comes back but but his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him saying we will not have this man run over us so when he says his citizens Literally, in this text, he's referring to the people of Israel who rejected him. Because the Bible tells us that Jesus came to his own. His own did not receive him. But as many as received him, he gave them power to become sons of God. So his citizens, his own people, rejected him. They said, we don't want this guy to be king. Some people called him the chief of all demons. Some people called him the carpenter's son. Some people said that... He he was he was a false prophet and they said all sort of things about him. So that his own people rejected him. The people who rejected Jesus Christ and nailed him to the cross were his own people. Just like Joseph's own brothers rejected him, it's Joseph's story was a, a, a shadow of the story of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Verse 15: So it was that when he returned, having received the kingdom. He then commanded the servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him. So what I said last week was that each one of us who is a servant of God has been given something to work with. There is no one who is empty. There is no one who cannot do anything at all in the kingdom of God. There is no one who cannot do contribute anything at all to humanity. All of us have something to contribute. No matter what people have told you or no matter what you think about yourself, you have something to contribute and you'll be called to account for what has been given you. And so he called his servant to give account of what the money he has given them. So verse 16, then came the first saying, Master, your minas has earned 10. So this guy traded seriously. He was working. He was busy working with the one that has given him, that, that was given him. And he was able to earn 10 because he worked so hard another man came the second came he said master your mina has earned five so this guy also the one that has given him he worked hard and then he earned five but watch the one who earned 10 the master said to him in verse 17 well done good and faithful well done good servant because you were faithful in very little have authorities over 10 cities and so the one who got 10 cities was rewarded in the master's kingdom. Sorry, the one who got 10 minas was rewarded in the master's kingdom with 10 cities. And the one who also had five was rewarded in the master's kingdom with five cities. And so our reward in heaven will not be the same. We will all make it to heaven. However, our reward will not be the same. It will not be the same. It will be based, the Bible says, the scripture that we just read initially said, each one will be rewarded according to his work. And so some people think that everybody's reward in heaven is going to be the same. We are all going to occupy the same places. But that, from scripture, if you study scripture very well, you can tell that our reward in heaven is not going to be the same. And that is why you must trade with what god has given you that is why you must serve humanity you must serve the kingdom of god with what god has given you because in heaven we are going to be rewarded according to what we did here on earth i keep saying it is not enough for a child of god to just say that i want to make it to heaven but you should seek to please the master do what will please the master and so the man who had ten. The man who had, ten, who had earned 10 was given authority over 10 cities. The man who had earned 5 was given authority over 5 cities. And the man who said, verse 20, Then another came, saying, Master, here is your mina, which I, kept, I, I put away in a handkerchief. For I feared the greatest thing that prevents people from doing what God has called them to do is fear. The fear that they are going to fail, the fear of what people will say, the fear of what if they are not accepted, the fear of if what, what they are doing does not yield any results. Fear is what is going to keep people away from doing what God has called them. When you, rem- when you pay attention to the other parable in the book of Matthew, he also said, I was afraid and so I hid the talent. And so fear will be one of the things that will prevent most people when we we enter into the kingdom of God one day, most people's excuse. or The reason why most people will not do what God has called them to do is fear. But Bible says God has not given us a spirit of fear, but God has given us a spirit of power, of love, and of a sound mind. So don't let fear of what people will say, fear of failing, prevent you from taking a bold step. doing what god has called you to do just do what god has called you to do do it the best way you know how to do it and leave the results to god because you are not accountable to any man no man is a factor when it comes to your reward in heaven when you stand before god no man what any man said will not be taken into account but what you did with what god has given you and so don't let anything or what people think about what you are doing prevent you from doing what God has called you to do, this man said, "I feared because you are an austere man. You collect what you did not deposit, and you reap what you did not sow." Obviously, what this man was saying about the nobleman is false, because this nobleman had given him a talent. So now this, or had given him something to trade with, and so this testimony of this, the, the testimony of what this man was saying about the nobleman was not true. The noble man actually gave them something. He didn't take anything from them. And so people sometimes think that when you serve God, you are just wasting your life and giving your life away and you get nothing in return. So this man said, you collect what you didn't deposit, you rip what you didn't sow. And he said to him, out of your own mouth, I will judge you. On the day of judgment, you will be judged based on the knowledge that you have concerning God the things that you learned concerning God the things that God revealed to you and God knows everyone's level of knowledge he knows your level of understanding he knows how he has made way for you to understand him in a certain to a certain measure and you'll be judged based on what you know concerning God and so just a quick summary i just want to move on from 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 reading this text because of time um And so a summary of what we, we discussed last week, every Christian has a business to do. Every child of God has something to contribute to this earth. Find it and give it your best shot. Every Christian has been given a gift to do business with. All of us have something that we have we can offer this world, something unique that nobody has. Some We can do certain things in a certain way that nobody can ever do it that way. All of us have something to contribute. No matter what people have told you, no matter what you think about yourself, you have something to contribute to this earth in a unique way that nobody can do it the way you you do it. And that is why you you don't have to stop. You have to contribute your quota to this earth. We must continue to do business until the master comes. We cannot say that last year we did very good. We went, we won, won a lot of souls. We touched a lot of life. We cannot say that five years ago, we were preaching the gospel and touching a lot of lives. We were praying for people. Five years ago, we were doing what God has called us to do. Oh, we have done enough. And so we can rest. We have to continue to do it till the master comes. So until you leave this earth or until Jesus, you meet Jesus Christ, you have to continue to do what God has called you to do. You have not done enough until you leave this earth. Continue... Till the master comes. Every Christian has an account to make. All of us are going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ to account for what we did, our purpose, to account for our motives, and to account for the things we do we did with our time. Every Christian who trades diligently and faithfully will be rewarded. And so everyone who trades diligently and faithfully will be rewarded. God is going to reward you for your faithfulness and for your diligence. Now, we're going to discuss the unfaithful servants. First of all, there are three characters that we're going to discuss today. We're going to discuss the unfaithful servant. We're going to discuss the faithful servant. And we're going to discuss the enemies. Those who said, who rejected the master outright and said, we are not going to make you a king over us. The unfaithful servant, what did they do? They did not trade with what was given them. They were idle. They did not contribute anything. And today in the kingdom of God, in our churches today, there are many believers who are idle. They go to church, they read their Bibles, they have their quiet time, they pray, but they don't contribute anything to the kingdom of God. They don't contribute anything to the life of people on earth. It's the same thing this guy did. He said, I hate the talent. I was just saving it for you. So whatever God has given us, if we just keep it and save it for the day, we will meet God. Some people are saving their voices for the day, we'll go to heaven and they will sing. Some people are saving their talent to meet Jesus Christ and, and they'll tell him, this is what you gave me, take your thing back. And so this guy in verse 20, he said, Master, here is your mina, which I kept. I have kept, I have kept put away in a handkerchief for I feared you. Because you are an austere austere man. You you collect what you did not deposit and you rip what you do not sow. So, this man just put his talent away and then he he presented it to the master. He did not trade with what was given him. This man represents those believers who do nothing on earth. They go to church, they are blessed. They listen to the message, they are blessed. They thank God, they worship God in their houses, they worship God in the church, but they do not find something that they can also contribute to this earth. Something they can also contribute to the kingdom of God. It is not enough to listen to the word of God and pray and be excited and enjoy yourself and not contribute anything to the kingdom of God. There are people around you that you can preach the gospel to. There are people around you that you can bless with the gospel. There are people around you who need your prayer. There are people around you you can minister to. Find what God has given you. Do it and do it diligently. So this um, unfaithful servant represent all those believers who are doing nothing in the kingdom of God. I pray that we will not be such believers who do nothing in the kingdom of God. This person, faithful servant, represent all those believers who think they have nothing to offer. They look around and they say, I, I cannot do anything. There's nothing I think I can do. I'm not skilled enough like that guy. Maybe somebody is singing and you like the way the person is singing and you look at the person and say, oh, this guy is singing so powerfully. I wish I could sing like him. Then I will also sing in church. They think they cannot do anything. But God has given you something. Don't wait for a big stage. The small stage that you have, find something to do in the kingdom of God. So this person represents those who think they have nothing to offer and those who are doing nothing in the kingdom of God. They think that they have nothing. What do I have? I'm not very skilled. I can't even preach. I can't even preach like Pastor Robert. I can't, I don't even, I'm not able to interpret the Bible like how these pastors interpret the Bible. But listen, the simple message you have can touch somebody's life. The simple testimony you have, the woman at the well, she didn't quote any scriptures. All she said was, listen, come and see a man that has told me everything about my life. That's all she said to the men of the city. And the Bible says the whole city came to listen to Jesus Christ. So the little you can do, do not take it for granted. Do not take that little you can do. Your little contribution is needed on earth. It's needed. Look at the little, the tiniest part of your body and the little condu- If you look at your, 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 how do you call it, your, your toes, for instance, the tiny part, you, if that tiny part hits something, you feel the pain. You can even feel the pain in your heart. You might think that part is not necessary, but when it hits something, you, f- you feel the pain in your heart. So every tiny part... The body is important, their contribution to the body is so so important, and so your contribution, no matter how insignificant you think it is, is so important to the kingdom of God. Now, this unfaithful servant represents those who think serving in the kingdom is reserved for a certain group of people. There are people who think that, oh, for seven in the kingdom is reserved for those who are called into fivefold ministry. Me, I'm not called to preach. That is not my role. There is nothing I can do in the church. Though we might not all be called into fivefold ministry, but we are all called to a certain ministry. We need to find it because we are going to account before God on that day. The ministry that God has given us. All of us have service to render to the kingdom and to humanity. Find it and do it with all your strength. Because on that day, that is what really counts. The money in your bank account will not be mentioned. The houses you have built will not be mentioned. Nothing you did on earth is relevant when we meet God. Earthly things are not relevant. But your contribution and your service to humanity <clears throat> yes, will, be, will be very important on that day. <clears throat> so this unfaithful servant also represents those who think their contribution is irrelevant. People who think that, oh, what I'm, what, what I'm going to do will not make any difference in the kingdom. What I'm going to do in this church will not make any difference to the church. And so they will just not do it. Like I said, everyone's contribution is important everyone is going to be assessed based on what they did do not take your contribution for granted the body of christ needs you the salvation of men depend depends on you for the body of christ to come to that place of perfection all of us must contribute something we are able to criticize the church and criticize the body but we we hold back our contribution to the body How do we expect the church to get to the place of perfection if all of us are not doing what we are supposed to do? And so anytime you see something wrong going on in the body of Christ, instead of criticizing, first of all, ask yourself, are you doing what you are called to do? Because you wouldn't expect this body to operate perfectly if there's one part of the body that is not doing what they are called to do. And so because you are not doing your part, the church is not getting to the place of perfection. But if all of us will contribute our, little, our small part, our tiniest part, the church will, it will be able to get to the place of perfection. The body operates perfectly if all members of the body contribute their part. So he, the unfaithful servant, he represents the people who think there are enough people working in the kingdom. <clears throat> Some people in church say, "Oh, there are enough people working in the church. There are enough people working, like you know. You don't need to. You don't need to do anything. Look, there are a lot of people now. If you turn on your TV, people are preaching. If you turn on the radio, people are preaching. If you turn to the right, you see a church. If you turn to the left, there are enough churches around. Let the churches preach them. They are going to be saved. People think that the gospel. Oh, this time, anyone who wants to read the gospel can read it. There, it's on your phones. It's in the stores anywhere. But." Because of that, some people think their contribution will not be necessary. But everyone has to contribute. The unfaithful servant represents those who are afraid to take initiatives. Like I said, most people fall under this category. They are afraid to take a step. They are afraid to make a move. They know that God is calling them to do something. They have a burning desire to do something. But they are afraid to take that step. What if I'm not accepted? What if it doesn't work? If it doesn't work it's not your work <laughs> it's not you are not working in your own name if it doesn't work when a military man when when a police officer goes to a place, why are the the reason why the police officers and the military people are respected they can go to somebody's house and arrest the person and pull the person, if the person doesn't want to comply, they will pull the person out of their homes and take them to the pol- um, the police station or anywhere they want to, they, they are supposed to take them. Is because they are acting on the authority of the government. And so if they fail, it's not a policeman who has failed, it's the government who has failed, the one who gave them your authority. So if you are acting on God's authority, you are acting on the authority of Jesus Christ, The they fail, what doesn't come to you? comes to jesus christ let this be your mindset if god has given me a task to do and I, i i go and i fail the failure is not on me it's on the one who sent me so when jesus resurrected from the dead he said all authority has been given to me and on the authority that has been given to me now go into the world And preach. So, first of all, he mentioned the authority that he had, that the authority of the whole world has been given to him. And therefore, based on this authority, I want you to go out and preach the gospel to all men. And so, all of us who are going out, making an effort to preach the gospel to people, we are not working by our own authority, but on the authority of Jesus Christ. And so, when we fail, anyone who is preaching the gospel, when you fail... You're failing on the authority of Jesus Christ. It's not, it's not you. It doesn't, it's it's not that you didn't do what you're supposed to do, but you're fa- so so don't think that the failure comes to you. And so don't allow the fear of failure to prevent you from taking the initiative. Oh. This represents those who are indifferent about the kingdom of God. Today there are a lot of people who are indifferent when it comes to the kingdom of God. There are a lot of people who don't care what what goes on. They don't care. They are not burdened by the state of the church in their cities. They are not burdened by the state of the people in their cities who are living godless life. The level of godlessness has increased in a lot of places and there are so many believers, churchgoers, who do not care about what is going on. They have no burden at all for the salvation of other people. They don't care if the church does wrong or that's right or the church has a bad name or a good name. They don't care. And the unfaithful servants represent all these people, seven groups of people that I've mentioned. Of course, there are other groups of people that you can see. Now, the unfaithful servants always had a good excuse. So if you have a good excuse, a good reason why you think you are not serving in the kingdom of God, just like the unfaithful cell he had an excuse he said i know that you are a hard man you are an austere man i was afraid and so he told that he when he meets the master and he tells him this excuse that is it i was afraid oh some people think that on that day when they meet jesus and they tell him you know that i was too weak i was not eloquent enough i didn't know enough scriptures I didn't see anybody around me that I can minister to. They think that there's an excuse they can give God. But let me tell you, there's no excuse you can give God on that day that will make sense. There's no excuse that would make sense. So everyone who is not contributing believes that they have an excuse for not serving. Not service For not serving. For not serving. Everyone who is not contributing anything thinks that they have an excuse for not serving. If you ask people why they are not doing something, they will give they will tell you why. They will give you an excuse. I don't think I'm I'm fit for it. I don't think I'm good enough. They can explain to you why they are not doing anything. They will definitely at, at every point in time somebody can explain why they are not taking an initiative. They have an excuse. Some people will say they are waiting for the leadings of the spirit. They are waiting for the spirit to lead them. Somebody I heard a man of God say, don't wait for a, vo- a voice when there is a verse there is a verse in the scripture that already sends you out but you are still waiting for a voice to send you out so he says don't wait for a voice when there is a verse so there's already a voice don't go seeking for a voice there's a verse when you find that verse in scripture that instructs you to do something obey that verse as you're obeying that verse the voice will follow amen so they think that they are not gifted enough. Some people think they are not gifted enough. They they are excuse. They think their contribution is irrelevant. They believe God will understand that they were incapable of contributing. So they think that one day when they see God, God will understand that I couldn't contribute much. There is nothing I could do. There was no contribution that I could give to the kingdom of God. They believe that the job is for most gifted people. They believe that the job. Preaching is for people who are eloquent, people who are intelligent, people who can pre who can, who understand the Bible. It's not for gifted people, it's not for intelligent people. If you look at the people that Jesus called, he called fishermen. He called people who were regarded as sinners. People who were cutting people's ear. When you touch them, they will cut your ear. Peter was cutting people's ear, and so. This It's not for the most holy in, in, in terms of man. It's not for the most gifted. It's for everyone. They believe seven is on due hardship. Some people believe that. Why do I have to take myself through all this stress? All this difficulty. Trying to reach people for the kingdom of God. But beloved, no excuse is good enough. No excuse that you are giving yourself for not contributing is good enough. You have to contribute what God has given you to the kingdom. And so they will be judged by, the unfaithful servant will be judged by his own mouth, by his own words. Verse 22 says, And he said to him, Out of your own mouth I will judge you, you wicked servant. Wow. So the servant who did nothing and was waiting to meet the master is described as a wicked servant. I hope this is not a description we want for ourselves. So if you don't do anything at all, if you don't contribute anything to humanity, the Bible sees you as a wicked person, a wicked servant. If you don't contribute anything to the kingdom of God, I'm not the one saying it. If you don't contribute anything to the kingdom of God or to the lives of people, the Bible sees you as a wicked person. You might think that you are a good person because you are not doing, you are not touching, you, you are not offending anybody, you are not, doing, you are not doing anything to anyone. You are just living your life quietly and one day you die and go to heaven. But the Bible says the one who did not trade with what was given him was described as a wicked servant. So he says you knew I was an austere man collecting what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. This was not true however he's saying you this is what you know about you knew about me yet why didn't you even put my money in the bank? If you know that I collect the things that I annoyed you me why didn't you put the money in the bank and so he's saying that by your own words, I'm judging you by your own words, by the things that you are said about me I'm going to judge you so they they will be labeled wicked and unprofitable servant. The one who does nothing will be labeled wicked servant. I pray that none of us listening to me today will be labeled a wicked servant because we are going to contribute our quota. We are going to bless humanity with our lives, with our contribution. We are going to bless the kingdom of God with what we are able to contribute. There are so many gifts that God has given us. We are going to bless people with that gift. What he has will be taken away from him and given to those who serve they won't be allotted the same reward as those who traded with their gift. So we saw that the one who traded with a gift had was given 10 cities. The one who traded and had five was given five cities proportional to what they had done through their trading. And the one who had nothing, he wasn't given 10 cities. He wasn't given five cities. And so... We should not think that our reward is going to be the same. Now, quickly, let me just touch on the enemies. I no, we are running out of time. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him, saying, we will not have this man to reign over us. This represents people who have rejected the kingdom of God. They have rejected the word of God. They decided that they are not going to leave their lives for Christ. And he said, he said to them, but bring here those enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them and slay them before me. So there is a punishment for those who reject Jesus Christ outright. They will be dealt with separately. They will face what we call the white throne judgment. In the book of Revelation, chapter 20, verse 11, the Bible says, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled. And there was found no place for them. So they will be fleeing. The people who rejected this, they will be fleeing. But there is no place for them. And I saw the dead small and great standing before God. So whether the person was a president in their lifetime. In heaven, there will not be special place to judge president. <laughs> whether the person was whatever. Great and Bible says the great people and the small people. So no matter who you are, you are coming to stand before that judge. There will not be special treatment there will not be preferential treatment for anybody no matter what if you were the greatest king or the greatest president on earth and you do not accept jesus christ the bible says great people and small people came to stand before god and books were opened another book was opened which is the book of life and the dead were judged according to their works so they will also be judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books The sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and hages delivered up the dead who who were in them. And they were judged according to And they were judged, each one according to his work. So you think that, oh, somebody was carried away by the sea and we never found their body. That day, the sea will bring the body out. The people who were burnt by fire, that day, the fire will bring their body out. And they will all receive their judgment and so this judgment is for the people who never accepted Jesus Christ as their lord and personal savior the first judgment i mentioned which is the seat of the judgment seat of christ that one is for only christians for only believers for people who have accepted jesus as their lord and personal savior and this other one is for the enemies the people who never accepted jesus christ now quickly let me go through the faithful servants the faithful servant they made considerable gain through trading. One of them made 10, the other made five. And so everyone proportional to the effort they put in, they were able to make some gains. And so no matter if your gain is not like the gain of other men and other women of God, it does not mean that you will not be rewarded. Everyone made gains and you'll be rewarded proportional to the gains that you made. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58 says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immoverable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. He says, be consistent. Don't give up. Don't get tired. Don't get weary. Don't throw in the towel. Just abound. Give yourself to the work of God and know that your labor in the Lord is never in vain. There is nothing you do in the kingdom of God that God is going to forget. There is nothing you do for the body of Christ that on that day God is going to forget. There is nothing you do that God will forget. The Bible says your labor is not in vain. The things you do, you bless people, the sacrifice you have made for people, and you think that these people are even ungrateful. They didn't come to acknowledge what I've done for them. Those sacrifices will never be in vain. He says that abandon in the work of the Lord. Give yourself to the work of God and know that your labor, the things you do, the prayers you have prayed for people secretly, they don't know about it. They might never know about it. You'll never get the chance to tell them that you were praying for them. This morning we're praying for people in our cities who are not saved. We might never meet some of them, but through this prayer, I believe that some of them will be saved. We might never meet them, but God says that our labor in the vineyard, in the kingdom of God, will never be in vain. So even if people don't acknowledge what you are doing, know that you are doing it unto God, not unto man. And the Bible says that whatever you do, your labor will not be in vain. So those people acknowledge their responsibilities to their master for entrusting them with the talent. And so the people, who say, the faithful servant, they don't take the glory to themselves. They don't praise themselves for the effort that they put in, for how hard they have worked. They don't even wait for men to come and applaud them. Paul, who had worked so hard for the kingdom of God, he says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all." Talking about the other apostles, he said, I am the chiefest of all sinners. However, God has given me grace and I made sure that the grace that God has given me was not in vain, was not useless, but I worked hard than everyone else. So some people think that when God anoints you and when God blesses you, you don't have to work hard. You should read the Bible again because Paul said, I lived more abundantly than them all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. So he did not take the glory to himself. He said, the work that I did, it is just the grace of God that enabled me. I know that in our world today, when you talk about the grace of God, and you give glory to God, people see you as being a foolish person. I remember somebody who was saying that after after a person was prayed for and the person was healed, the per- somebody else was saying that it's the person's own body that fought against the disease and God well. They should not give glory to any God. And so the world we live in now doesn't want, doesn't want to take the glory to itself. But these faithful people acknowledge that it was God who enabled them to do what they did. They were both commended for their faithfulness. The faithful servants were commended for being faithful over what their master had given them. They were favored in proportion to their gains. So whatever they got, the master gave them. They were rewarded in proportion to their contribution. So whatever they had, the master, their contribution, the master gave them proportion to their contribution. So nothing you do is going to be lost. God is going to reward you for every single good thing you have done in the kingdom. Every single good thing you have done for people. You are going to be rewarded for it. Proportion to the good things you have done. God is going to reward you. The one who, who got 10. God gave him pro, in proportion to the good that he had done. Beloved, so nothing good you do on earth will be wasted. Even when the people don't acknowledge it. Even when men think that you are not doing much. Nothing good you do. You'll be rewarded in proportion to the good. It's not like you have put in so much effort and you were able to win 10 cities and God will say, okay, you have won 10 cities. However, let me just reward you for two. No. He will reward you in proportion to the good that you have done. And so on that day, nobody will feel cheated because everybody will be rewarded in proportion to the good things he had done verse 17 and he said to him well done good servant because you were faithful in a very little he said I'll, I'll give you come and, and have um <clears throat> come and head over ten cities and the second one came master your mina, your winner has earned five minutes likewise he said to him you have you also be over five cities And so everyone was rewarded in proportion to the good things that he has done. On that day, all of us, all of us who call on the name of the Lord will be rewarded in proportion to the things that we have done. Nothing good you do on earth will go unrewarded. God is not unfaithful to forget your labor, your labor of love. That you have loved the people of God, that you have served the body of, of Christ. God is not unfaithful. The Bible, will, one day we are going to talk about various gifts that are mentioned in the Bible. But the Bible says, if you are prophesying, if you are giving, if, if you are serving, whatever you are doing, do it as unto the Lord. For the Bible has said that God is going to reward each one of us. Shall we pray? Father in the name of Jesus we thank you for your word. We thank you that you are faithful that our labor in the vineyard will not be in vain by you God who is a faithful God. We cannot outgive you but we know as we give ourselves to the work of God as we give ourselves to serving humanity you who who is a faithful lord will reward us in proportion to our contribution. We ask for grace to continue to serve faithfully, Lord. For the Bible says, it is you who work in us both to will and to do your good pleasure. Continue to work in us. Give us zeal. Give us a passion. We come against every spirit of fear that keeps us away from contributing. Father, enable us and give us the boldness to contribute, to give our all, to empty ourselves on this world before we leave. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for your message. We commit this week into your hands. May we see your hand in our lives. May we see your grace in our lives. May we hear your voice leading us to in every decision and every step that we are going to take. We thank you, Lord, that we spend this time in your presence and we acknowledge that it's by your spirit that has planted in us a desire, even to come before your presence today. We give you all the glory and give you all the honor in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.